0: Bingeing on movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love love or hate them? Here, Here comes, comes the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest streaming and theatrical releases. I'm Jason Leroy,
1: and I'm Rebecca olarte and we have four movies for you today: The Suicide Squad, Pray Away. Homeroom and Val. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consumer moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means
0: the pandemic is once again too long for that mess. Oh, well, you know, guys, the last time we taped this show, it was July 11th. Uh, simpler times in retrospect. And uh, I may have been crowing very satisfied at the time about uh, having, you know, all of us having turned a corner and returned to life as semi-normal. And uh, oops-a-daisy, we hung a Yui, and we have gone back the other direction because of the Delta variant. So uh, things have gotten worse. Uh, Rebecca, have you been feeling the effects of the Delta variant or has your hermit-like life been unchanged?
1: Completely unchanged. Um, <laughs> I guess there was one week that I had, we had a friend visit and then, um, he had friends that were out here and we met them. So we met strangers, we had them over and it was like the week of everyone's vaccinated. So it's okay to hang out inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the one moment that we kind of had that like okay but uh but then we sort of didn't do anything else and and so um it hasn't really changed
0: for us well there you go you know I feel like you once again are being vindicated in your approach to this uh you know you can't be disappointed if you if you just stay in the indoors the whole time anyway so Mm -hmm. uh so there you have it there you have it Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to be thankful that, like, at least for now, things haven't really started to close again. So I have to remind myself, like, this is still better than most of the entire thing, um, because you can still go out and do most of the things. You just kind of have to be masked indoors when you do them, Uh, at least in L.A. County, where I live, because we do have the mask mandate here, Uh, you know. And so I, 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 I can't say that I have drastically changed uh, the ways that I've started to kind of like be out in the world again for example I've actually been seeing movies in theaters like a motherfucker Uh, yes I joined AMC A-List which is quite a honey in the deal let me tell you guys for most of the the entire podcast up until recently um, I was always a member of the press and so I never had to pay for movies and I looked down on those who did But now I, too, am a peasant, and I need to pay to watch movies. And so AMC A-List is the way to do it. $23 a month, three movies a week, no restrictions? Are you kidding me? Not an ad. Uh, I feel
1: like AMC would would be upset if it were an ad where they (laughs) they would be upset at your approach of being so incredibly unlikable and then trying (laughs) to shill their product. Do you hate the unwashed why, masses like I do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is why we have, never, we have never picked up a sponsor in the history of the show. <laughs> uh,
1: your likability rating is once again in the shitter.
0: <laughs> uh, you, know, uh, you know, if you stay in the shitter, then you don't have to leave the shitter? I don't know. But... Uh, but yes, I have been seeing a lot of movies, none of which we will be reviewing on this show because (laughs) Rebecca is not going out to theaters. Uh, and, uh, so each of us, of course, uh, entitled to do whatever makes us feel safest and most conscious during this unstable time. Uh, but I've seen everything. Like I am now that, like that person who's just like, Oh, I feel like going out to a theater. What motion pictures are playing? Let me just see what, you know, like, I, you know, it's it's just like weeknights, me going by myself to like the Westfield and Century City to be just like, oh, what's playing? Oh, I heard about that one. Oh, there's a new Matt Damon out, you know. Uh, oh, so you saw that one? I did see Stillwater, yes. Uh, uh, is there anything
1: you'd like to talk about that you've seen that you think people might want to hear about? Anything surprisingly good or um, surprisingly uh... bad?
0: Let me see. I I don't know that I anything that I've seen in theaters has really like, you know, made me feel like, oh, that was really, really good. (laughs) Um, Once
1: again, your uh, sponsorship is in question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've been really, really active on the Letterboxd app. And so I've been like I've been registering all of them on there. Um, But, yeah, I saw Stillwater. I saw The Green Knight. I saw Old. I saw Flag Day. I saw Respect. I saw Annette. I saw uh, Free Guy. Um, yeah, Though so I guess the one that I would say is, is truly, uh, horrible out of all those is, uh, Annette, which is the new Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard, uh, film musical mm-hmm. music with music by Sparks. Uh, but we might actually review that in a later episode. We'll see. Cause I think it's supposed to hit prime video, I think in a week. Um, but, but with that said, I really cannot caution listeners enough to, to not watch it <laughs> uh, but i might attempt to cajole you into watching it just so we can review it but boy oh boy it is an incredibly unpleasant movie uh but yeah no it, everything's been kind of like it's just like yeah i mean it's summer you know so it's just these like summer right. you know big uh multiplex releases so nothing groundbreaking to report on that end uh but yeah uh that that's pretty much what I've been doing, just processing all the changes and the the lack of stability we once again find ourselves in and uh, and just going to theaters all the time.
1: <laughs> <Regardless>. <laughs> Rebecca,
0: what's up with you? Um.
1: Well, I think what's up with me can be best summarized by the fact that we need to make sure that we are done recording this episode by the time the new uh, episode of White Lotus starts, <laughs> which is in. <laughs> Three hours, so (laughs) it's giving us a lot of runway for three documentaries.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So you're just all in, just full on White Lotus head. We're in between uh, MCU shows. I I guess What If is out now, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did see episode one of What If. um, But White Lotus has just been uh, an injection of of new energy in the house. Um, What a show. God yes. damn Jennifer Coolidge.
0: Oof. I mean, let's hope that she truly does win all the awards that she deserves for that performance.
1: She has. So well, I don't understand how seasons work for TV. Is mm-hmm. Would this overlap with
0: Hacks? No, no, no. Uh, not for the Emmys, at least, um, because you know, the Emmy nominations are already out for the season that included Hacks and Hacks is nominated for like 19 Emmys, I think and um and that will be in mid-september that the emmys will happen so white lotus will be for the next emmy cycle okay. um so which means it'll have to keep itself fresh in voters minds for a, like a full year
1: which Ooh, could be a yeah. challenge
0: um but all the same yeah uh, hopefully uh, i mean hbo max is the same you know uh, uh company behind hacks so they mm-hmm. ran a very successful campaign for that And Hacks was also one of those just event shows that everyone was watching. Everyone was talking about HBO Max is very good at making those and always (laughs) have.
1: Uh,
0: But, you know, White Lotus certainly is the buzz. It is all anyone can talk about. Um, I love it so very much. I don't know how they're going to wrap it up with only one episode to go tonight. but I don't uh, know. But, I mean, I felt this way about so many HBO shows. I remember going into the season finale of Big Little Lies, season one. I was like, there is no fucking way they wrap this <laughs> up in this satisfying way wait an hour and then, you will know, cut to an hour later and I'm just like a puddle on the floor. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it is. And fun fact, uh, when we went the first week of our honeymoon, uh, Scott and I stayed at the hotel directly next to the hotel they, they are shooting it at. Really? Yes. We were staying at the Andaz uh, Maui, which is right next to the Four Seasons, which is where the hotel are using um, on the show. Wow.
1: And uh, which character were you? Which character (laughs) couple were you?
0: Well, I saw um, a friend of mine posted a breakdown of all the characters based Mm. on their their signs. Mm. (laughs) I don't know if you saw that.
1: I did not. Uh, I saw the like... uh, the map of like chaotic good and,
0: oh, um, but I didn't yeah. see the signs. Yes. So according to, uh, to that breakdown of their astrological signs, I am the young wife and I, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't fully disagree, uh, with that categorization of her as the Capricorn. Hmm. Uh, so, and remind me your sign, uh, Pisces. Pisces, Pisces, uh, you are, uh, you are the spa worker.
1: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you, yeah, know, you, just you are frequently taken advantage of by white people. So
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and here we are. Um, here. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: yes. Oh, yeah. For that, I
1: forgot. Um, I, for, for that reason, I don't want to watch the season finale. I like don't want to see what happens with her.
0: I know. But I'll
1: I like do want to see what happens with everyone else.
0: I know. Or do you have any theories on who dies?
1: Um, you know, I, I I didn't realize until last week, looking at Twitter that, uh, it, it could be anyone except the wife. And then we went back and watched episode one again. And I was like, Oh yeah, they don't explicitly, they make you think that very heavily, but like they don't explicitly say that it's her. Um, so then I was like in a panic and then I was like, well then maybe it's just that, um, she's bringing the ashes home and they make her do it this way because now everyone knows about it. Um, and then I was like, well, that's, that's probably not it. Um, so, I mean, I guess my, my, um, my guess at this time would be something like the, the young son.
0: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And he has had a very spiritual awakening, Mm -hmm. so it, it would be kind of poetic, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's. They really have set themselves up for an almost like impossible task with that because the show doesn't need a whodunit angle at all. Um, you know, it doesn't need like this, this sort of ticking clock of like, well, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? This Agatha Christie effect. Mm-hmm. like because like it is incredibly incredibly satisfying without any of that um without any like well who's gonna be the one who dies you know it feels like whoever it is is going to be like somewhat dissatisfying like it certainly feels like oh is it going to be like the guy never cool just been hooking up with uh, of the cough you know, yeah the cough and you know so, so it's gonna be like this like minor side character that like you're not invested in anyway or uh yeah it's it's uh I can't believe it's almost over and i can't believe the second season is going to be you know a whole new cast in a new setting but i mean i guess it would have to be because there's no reason why they would all be together again
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like it's got to be some kind of like um like manslaughter situation it's like somebody pushes somebody by the pool and they like crack their head open you know Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Um, and of course, it's the dramatic irony is that, you know, by the time people hear this episode, everyone will know what happened. So I it's know not like a, very, a very quaint and silly little guessing game that we're playing <laughs> <But>. <laughs>
1: like we have been for the past five years of this podcast about like <laughs> what will happen politically or uh, with the pandemic <laughs> or yeah, can, it's yeah. really quite an experiment. Uh, I was actually true. just thinking about how, you know, we. I've spent so much time talking about the last uh, presidency on this podcast and like what what will be like when it's done, you know, what will be different? And then like, nothing's been different because now we're locked yeah. into a new uh, situation that yes. is.
0: Yes, it, it is. It is. It is the rollover minutes of trauma is mm-hmm. what we find ourselves in. It was just, it's just more trauma. The trauma has not ceased. The trauma has intensified. Um, but yes, but here's another episode of Hazard a Guest with Rebecca and Jason. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of trauma,
1: shall we get to the movies?
0: Oh, yeah, let's do that.
1: Uh, our first movie this week is The Suicide Squad. The government sends the most dangerous supervillains in the world, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Harley Quinn and others, to the remote enemy-infused island of Corto Maltese. Armed with high tech weapons, they trek through the dangerous jungle on a search and destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave. So, can you explain a little bit about this movie and how it relates to the movie that we also reviewed, um, (laughs) Suicide Squad, that came out, what, three years ago?
0: With Will Smith and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so my understanding of what has happened here is, you know, that movie, which was directed by David Ayer, um, was correctly and widely understood to be a disaster. And uh, and it was very disappointing to the fans um, because Warner Brothers took far too heavy a hand in the uh, post process and uh, in, in the final cut that was released to theaters. Um, the director David Ayer, wanted nothing to do with because it had just been sort of you know, corporate studio noted into oblivion and was now just like a shell of what he had intended it to be. And so, um so Warner decided uh, to, and I think and and this 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 might be um, an area where I'm not remembering all the details, but I, I can't remember if maybe James Gunn was originally supposed to direct it. And then he was fired because he was going through like a bad faith cancellation on Twitter Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, like conservatives were like dredging up things he had tweeted, you know, 10 years ago to be like, look what he said. Not, of course, that they care. Um, Just trying to, you know, use liberal values against liberals. So uh, and it was effective <laughs> and he was and he was uh, removed. And so they brought in David Ayer and then it was this this misbegotten movie. So think of this as like the Snyder Cut um <laughs> of sorts um, in which they let James Gunn come back and actually make the movie that he supposedly wanted to make of the Suicide Squad. And um, so, yeah, so what we have here is even though it's still Warner Brothers. And uh, so uh, all the same, this is meant to be like the the true version of 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 this of this story so uh, the idea is to like pretend
1: the other one never existed
0: yes yeah i i think it's i, I don't think that it really at least in my uh, recollection of watching it i don't think it ever really spoke to any of the storylines from the first movie
1: Mm-mm. um uh, it was hard not to kind of like compare off the bat both i think there's like the exercise of I wasn't, again, exactly sure if this was like a remake of the same story or um, like a different approach to the same tale or completely different. You know, there are some characters that are the same. And and some of the um, I mean, the basic principle of like, you know, uh, this group being sent to do a mission being controlled by um, Viola Davis uh, is, is the same. So, you know, there's this like I don't know natural inclination to try to say like is is it the same story is it different um but i mean i just kept thinking wow this is so much better than the other one but it isn't mm-hmm. it pretty pretty quickly into it i think like you know 5 or 10 minutes in it, i think you stop trying to compare the storylines because it's clearly a, a very different plot
0: yes yeah they 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 are very 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 different movies and this one is easily the better of of the two, um, and it, I think it might make James Gunn the first major director who has now been in both the MCU and the DCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is this is his first film as a director since Guardians Two. Oh uh, wow! Which, really? Which yeah. Which was released in twenty seventeen. Uh, so, and I think that's part of what happened, right? Because you know that's around the time that he was like quote unquote canceled and he mm-hmm. lost the Suicide Squad directing job uh so now he finally got it back and uh you know and but uh, you know i i will say that it still is not a marvel movie uh to, to me it still does not to me the attempts at humor still were i mean there was a lot of funny parts don't get me wrong but i don't know it just felt a little forced I think a lot Mm. of the sort of like a lot of the 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 sort of like the, you know, humor bits, a lot of the set pieces, a lot of like the self-conscious edginess, like it it still felt a little forced to me. Like it was not ultimately the kind of freewheeling bad boy, good time that I was sort of led to think it was going to be based on a lot of the um, feedback I was seeing.
1: Mm. I think there are parts that feel that way. I think there's this um, uh, sort of, assassin competition between Bloodsport played by Idris Elba and Peacemaker played by John Cena uh, where they kind of, they're infiltrating this camp and they try to one-up each other with their marksmanship skills. I felt like that was, um, kind of had that fun vibe to it, but yeah, ultimately the the characters with the exception of Harley Quinn are just darker. They're, mm-hmm. they're just painted with a lot less uh, heart and humility than I think the Marvel MCU characters are. And mm. I think that's what kind of bleeds into the making everything feel a little forced. Because you're like, well, why would these characters who seem so nihilistic and so um, just lost on, on any hope in life, why would they be fun or exciting or, you know, not exciting, but fun or funny?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, No. know, totally. And while Harley Quinn uh, was not painted with, uh, with Out of Darkness, she was painted with added clothing, and for that I will also thank uh, James Gunn because one of the most heinous elements of the first Suicide Squad movie is the aggressive male gaze leering mm. at at Harley Quinn. Uh, just the slow motion, like close ups going up her legs to her booty shorts to her midriff to her, you know, crop top. Like it was, it was such like a beer commercial. Okay. Uh, the way that they filmed her in that movie. And, uh, and this time, you know, uh, it is, it, it does not objectify Margot Robbie. And, uh, which I think in general, it also speaks to, I think the fact that she has since that film become a much more powerful presence mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Um, you know, so they can't, uh, you know, they would have a harder time just objectifying her like a new starlet who, you know, has to do TNA to, uh, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, come to the table. So, But, yeah, I I appreciated that they let Harley Quinn be, uh, you know, sort of like how the character has unfolded over the years Mm -hmm. um, from, you know, Suicide Squad to Birds of Prey and, you know, the other places we've seen her. Uh, You know, it's it's still always a good time watching Margot Robbie do that character. You know, it's it's a really distinctive performance and um, and she she brings it to you every ball.
1: Um, I would say another highlight of this movie is John Cena. Yes.
0: <laughs> I have seen so many people being shady against him. And what? I'm just like, I'm sorry that you hate joy. Uh, <laughs> because he is a gift. He is such a gift to to action cinema. He's so fucking funny. Uh, you know, I, I did feel like I noticed him kind of struggling about bit in this sense it's more of an ensemble and i feel like with everyone kind of doing like funny quirky action comedy things like he didn't pop as much as he's as he's popped in some of his other standout roles uh, in recent years but uh, i i adore him i i i think he is hysterical and uh and i yeah very much enjoyed what he brought to this movie
1: uh very recently we re-watched trainwreck uh, oh, my
0: God.
1: That was because of another Warner movie, uh, which is with the new Space Jam. Yeah. Uh, we were discussing <laughs> with a friend who it was insisting that the reason that it was, quote unquote, so bad was because of LeBron, LeBron. James. And I said, I mean, we're not allowed to be friends anymore. But then I said. <laughs> Well, have you seen him in train wreck? So we rewatched Train Wreck and John Cena is so good in Train Wreck. Oh also, Train Wreck is so good.
0: It really is. It, it really holds is. up.
1: It's so funny.
0: Yeah, I think I rewatched it again like a year ago, and it really is a very, 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 very solid comedy. Uh, but no, that John Cena in that movie theater scene. Uh with, <laughs> with, with Keith Robinson. Yes. I will fuck your dick off. Like hilarious. <laughs> And I think there's like bloopers of him like just riffing for like ten minutes really? in that scene. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, I gotta find that right after this. And so now we need an extra runway. So I need to watch that and I need to be ready for <laughs> yes. White Lotus.
0: Noted. All right, we'll wrap it up.
1: <laughs> but it seems like Warner Brothers is like the the root of a lot of these problems because that yes. new Space Jam, although I am morally obligated to say it was a great movie, had some problems that were not LeBron James.
0: I did not watch it, so you'll. Oh, have to really? It. But no, but but speak. I, I I had no reason to watch it, but but speak on it. I
1: what mean, it is the 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 way they try to force their IP property and characters into the story makes mm. absolutely no sense, um, and it's not done well. Like basically, the kind of the whole movie culminates in this like you know basketball game between the good guys, which is. LeBron James and the Looney Tunes against, you know, the bad guys, which is a combination of his son and uh, these other real basketball players that have been imported into this video game. And and the main character, uh, the main villain who is played by Don uh, Cheadle, and his name is L.G. Rhythm.
0: Uh, oh, boy.
1: And and so it's like they're mostly animated, you know, um, Don Cheadle isn't. But on the sidelines, you have. These people who look like they are the um, like, like a cosplay of different Warner Brothers characters. So you have like the guys from A Clockwork Orange. What? Um, yeah, you have uh, I'm trying to remember who else is in there.
0: Uh, uh it makes me think of Ready Player One,
1: yeah, but it's not, it's even, it's so bizarre they 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 try to like like shoehorn in like matrix references which is like who is that for because i don't oh My god it's and then they have like a casablanca reference i don't know it is it is feels really really uh poorly thought out and very i don't know money grabby
0: well yeah it is a sequel to space jam
1: it's pretty gross but
0: yeah oh my goodness all right and well cheap i don't feel like i miss anything by not watching it then uh, no i don't but, think uh,
1: <laughs> I don't good think you'd like it very much.
0: But I guess, you know, Trainwreck also kind of ends with a basketball game. So that's another thing. Oh my home. God, it's
1: so good. Her routine. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and, and now that means that my one of my favorite one-liners ever is Fresh in Your Mind, which is when she's talking to Till Swinton about her dad, and Till Swinton just cuts her off and she goes, is this your one-woman show? Because I ain't <laughs> got a ticket.
1: <laughs> oh, that was so good. Movie's so good. Anyway, John Cena. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, John yeah, Cena.
1: Great is a great uh addition yes. to this cast yes, uh the shark the Quinn. shark oh yeah uh king shark who's yes. voiced by sylvester stallone is perfect
0: although even that detail still felt very like how can we re- re- rip off like the mcu to me it's like oh, how can we do our version of vin diesel doing groot
1: oh mm. i know
0: <laughs> let's have sylvester stallone let's have another member of the expendables cast uh you know i'm assuming vin diesel's in that i don't know i've never seen it but uh you know let's bring in sly stallone to voice another sort of like monosyllabic character that just kind of goes like yum yum or whatever the whole time
1: um, there are but a few but did, did it work
0: yes it worked so
1: casting right so there's um uh well like the actress who plays mattress plays uh just like a dancer in this right uh taika waititi is yeah. in this um who famously plays Korg and also directs Thor Ragnarok and is going to direct or is in the process of directing the newest Thor movie. Right. Um, there's somebody else. Oh, there's just like a. Okay, actually, the question the original, the first villain that you see in this movie with like the long blonde hair. Oh, yeah. Is he the guy that played Quinn's stepfather in Guardians of the Galaxy 2?
0: Oh, maybe. I think Michael Rooker was in that. So, Could be him. Yeah. I think so. Also, speaking of crossovers, I will tell you, Free Guy has a Marvel crossover moment that you will very much appreciate. Really? Yes, including a cameo by one of the main players in the Avengers.
1: Ooh, it's, yeah. it's, coming, to, it's coming to streaming at some point, right?
0: Eventually. Um, it's, oh, it's, you know it's what? One... I
1: think I know who it might be because I did watch a YouTube video of Deadpool and Korg like, reacting to the trailer for Free Guy. <laughs> so imagine Korg, who's played by Takeaway T right. D, and Deadpool like sitting on a couch watching a mm-hmm. YouTube. It was very funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I know that they are taking a big like. This is the one, the, one of the first big movies that the studios are being like. This is theatrical only, um, but of course it'll eventually be on um, available to rent. So so just tuck that one away. I think and for you guys really, it's a fun movie no matter what. But yeah, there's mm-hmm. there's there's a big Marvel moment that you'll enjoy.
1: Okay, so what were we talking about? Suicide Squad. <laughs> i guess it does feel like they were like how do we capture marvel magic
0: yeah yeah which is always the the dc game and uh yeah i don't know they they have yet to really uh to get there you know um it just always still feels secondary Mm -hmm. and inferior and even when it's like enjoyable which this movie generally is although i do think it kind of starts to drag toward the the third act um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 fun, but you still just feel like you're watching like a a lesser version of something that you know is done much better by someone else, you know. Agreed.
1: Uh, I did cry <laughs>
0: uh,
1: at the end because I am a Sebastian Stan,
0: mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've been sitting on that one. <laughs> 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 i thought the scene with Ratcatcher and and her father and the whole end and harley quinn they really put like all of the heart in the movie at that moment very well um and yeah, yeah. i got a little, a little teary-eyed
0: yeah that was well done that was well done uh where do you give in this one
1: um i think it's a binge it well i mean oh, okay. with the caveat that it is incredibly graphic right which might not be for everybody but I would say binge it. I think it's a good, uh, ti- you know, something to tide you over. Well, a, a nice little snack. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm also giving credit because I, I the last one was so terrible. Right. So I got angry again at it, especially like the musical cues. Oh Super
0: God. Super obvious. And the, the needle drops. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh my God, it was so infuriating. Yeah. Um, and and I really don't like the other uh. DC movies, so I think yeah, I want to be encouraging that they're going in a good direction. So I'm gonna say, binge
0: <laughs> well, hopefully when the executives listen to our podcast, <laughs> they, they will they will feel your encouragement. But <laughs> good,
1: I hope so. You know, once um, they after, get it from the AMC uh, <laughs> lawyers, <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. Once AMC, once AMC tips off Warner about uh, all this slander. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I would say consume, maybe consume plus. Uh, certainly one of the better films in the DC universe, but still not a Marvel movie.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. Uh, The Suicide Squad is, it's in theaters and it's also on HBO Max right now and it is rated R. Movie number two is Pray Away. Five evangelicals in the 1970s break away and form Exodus International, a group that claims that gay people can become straight through prayer and conversion therapy. Um... I did not realize that Exodus International, one of the um, largest ex-gay, quote-unquote, ex-gay groups, was started by gay people.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, it was.
1: That was mind-blowing to learn.
0: The call has been coming from inside the house the whole time. Do <laughs> um,
1: you want to start with this one?
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, so longtime listeners might know uh, that the area, the subject matter of this film is one that is incredibly personal to me, uh, because when I was in college, um, I was uh, a very evangelical Christian, and, uh, and unfortunately at the time, my, I, my theology was not great, and I believed that being gay was wrong. And so all through college, I was sort of fighting that part of myself. Um, it's a losing battle, and uh, and toward the end, I did actually go um, and join uh, an ex-gay support group uh, in Akron, where one goes for such things, and. Um, and uh, and I even went to one of the I didn't go to one of the big national conferences that you see in this documentary, but I went to one uh locally that was called Love One Out, um, which was always the, the name Love One Out is still mm-hmm. funny to me because it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like Rub One Out. It sounds like it a sure euphemism did. for getting off. But um, oh, let me gonna just, just Love One Out real quick and then we can <laughs> get some dinner. But um so, uh, yeah, so this is this is an area that I am very familiar with. And um, and I've seen other documentaries that approach the subject matter in the past. There are some great ones out there. There's a really wonderful one called For The Bible Tells Me So. Uh, there's a great one called Camp Out. Um, and now we have this one, which will be by far the widest scene of any of them because it's on Netflix and because Ryan Murphy put his name on it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are, there are elements of this movie that were just sort of repeating familiar stuff for me, which is sort of like the history of Exodus International, um, uh, leading up to it, it's, uh, end, uh, whenever the, uh, the, the president of it after being sort of confronted, um, on this TV show, Lisa Ling was doing by a lot of people who were sort of previous, well, you know, self-identified survivors of Exodus, um decided that they had caused far more harm than good and they decided to shutter Exodus that I knew and I was happy to watch a story that kind of recounted that what I did not know and what I was not prepared for was the story of the new guard that has risen up in its place mm-hmm. um So there is, you know, a lot of this story is more of like a retrospective interviewing people who were the key various key players from Exodus through the years um, or people who, you know, touched down at Exodus, but also were at like Family Research Council and different, you know, just different sort of anti-gay groups. And uh, but they also have a very much present tense storyline focusing on uh, a young man in the South named Jeffrey uh who is incredibly incredibly evangelical uh we first see him in the opening scene of the film um walking around with a sign a sign that said trans to christ which at first i thought meant like oh he's like i didn't know if that meant like was it pro-trans anti-trans like, i couldn't tell based on hard to say his, yeah i was like at first i was like okay is he saying like yes like i i bring my you know my trans just comes from christ or my you know i bring my trans to christ or whatever um, but no, he, he is, um, he then stands outside of a grocery store and, uh, and solicits anyone who walks past him asking them if they want to be prayed for while offering his testimony about how he used to live as a trans woman. And then Christ brought him out of that. And, you know, and just seeing him as like a standalone, like almost just like a, just like a, someone who seemed you know, who, if you or I were to bump into him, might we might think that that person is just unwell. um It was one thing when he was by himself. But then as the song goes on, we see him with these like really vibrant looking groups of young, cool looking people. um And they are all in this together. These are all people who are like just young people who are identifying still as like ex gay or still pursuing that. I really thought, <laughs> I really thought that it was either A, over. Or B, if it still existed, it was still just being perpetrated by like various church leaders of the denominations that are not gay affirming. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was startled and very uh, sickened, honestly, to see um, young people doing this seemingly of their own volition. Um, even though I really shouldn't have been so startled, because like I did it of my own volition. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I I get it, like, I know it is to be young, to be evangelical, to, to feel that conviction, um, to know that the culture disagrees with you. Um, you know, like, I, I, I get it like, so, and you couldn't have told me anything. People tried, no one could tell me anything. I was like, you don't get it. Like only I know. And, uh, so, you know, I, I, I can understand, but at the same time it, you know, it, it, it really hurt. Uh, uh, to see to see that, and I looked up this Jeffrey Kid on Instagram, and I'm just gonna say that he follows both RuPaul and Ryan Phillippe. So I don't know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just how you know strict this is because like there's only one reason to follow Ryan Phillippe's Instagram, um, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was yeah it was it was very challenging. It was very challenging um, to see that, and of course like we're seeing it in the South. The Deep South, um, but yeah, all the same. To see that is continuing on um, was upsetting. But uh, but yeah, so I you know came to it with a lot of my own personal experience. Rebecca, what, what what was your experience like watching this?
1: Yeah, actually, quickly though, to talk about the sort of new guard of this. Um, I mean, how much of it do you think is just a grift, right? I mean, I, I think the, the one of the ex leaders of, of Exodus International had this great you know line that is so long as homophobia exists groups like exodus will exist and we do see jeffrey taking a phone call which was one of the most infuriating and heartbreaking moments of the film mm. he's taking a phone call from the mother of uh, a trans woman who um is asking jeffrey for advice on how to um and kind of like how to what to do um because she, the mother didn't wasn't accepting of Uh, her daughter's identity and he pretty much like reinforced that, you know, not to. Um, And so, I mean, I don't know if that's something that is done for free, but there's the, the grift in terms of finance and there's a grift in terms of like popularity and, and this Jeffrey finding, you know, like a pseudo celebrity status from this outrageous opinion, kind of like a Milo Yiannopoulos type thing. Mm Um, that that is motivation because there are still people who you know feel are, are being told that this is wrong and want to live to the expectations of you know whatever segment of society is telling them that right so less of like a i don't know i don't know i still can't put my finger on what the like initial uh rationale was for the exodus international founders um what was pushing them oh, to to to
0: I, I remember what it was. Please. Um, they um they were saying that they were they were members. they were at this San Diego mega church that had oh. all these sort of like breakout splinter groups for various communities and identities. and they felt like, well, why is there not one for you know for for gay people uh, who you know who are in the church and and know that you know and 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 could support each other since it, being gay is wrong? Um, so that was, that was the, the, the origin of it. Um, Mm -hmm. but no, I mean, with Jeffrey, like, I mean, I wish that I could say that I felt like it was just a grift, but like, I felt in my heart that he is 1 million percent sincere. Um, like a hundred million percent sincere. Like, I think he believes every single word he's saying. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think, you know, can, can, can he be leveraged by, you know sort of like you know deeper pocketed um you know right-wing groups to further perpetuate um you know what they i mean you know absolutely but i think that's coming from for him a completely sincere place in the same way that when i was in that moment in my life it was coming from a completely sincere and genuine and deeply believed place mm. um the the main way it can be leveraged though what i loved um because i have had this thought about myself in the past was when they, um, when the former, when the older members, the ex-members of Exodus, are talking about like being brought in by like, you know, the Newt Gingriches of the world, um, because they were like they they knew that they couldn't come out and say mm. these things about be, how being gay is wrong, but we could, and so they just throw it to us, so we can be like, no, it's true, being gay is wrong. Hey, get from me, I used to be gay, um, and just like that, you know, you your you know this entire audience that already wants to hear, um, you know, something that discredits the idea of of gay people hears it from someone who who seemingly has the standing to say it and you're like great um you know just like the sounds of affirmation that jeffrey was getting in that scene where he speaks at the church Mm. um you know like you know it 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 was all very familiar to me um so no i i I personally did not pick up a grift from from him um i thought it was him being incredibly 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 serious and sincere about what he's doing Mm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean my reaction was um, rage, sadness. I don't know. I, I just have such a limited um
0: Impatience. <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> kind of, yeah, I guess.
0: Right. Short fuse.
1: Uh <laughs> <laughs> anger management issue? Um, Brass knuckles. <laughs> less so than I actually or or yeah, less so than no, more so than I can't. I don't know. Soul was even more upset about this than I was. Oh was she? I at the At the end of it, I had done some sort of like natural ranking of the original members of, of uh, Exodus and, and mm-hmm. like by the amount of sympathy I could muster for them. <laughs> um, some none, some uh, a little bit. And she was just like, fuck them all. I can all go to hell.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. I wish I could have been there for that. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was,
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I, in my work, I, I see a lot of people who struggle with um, uh, suicide and self-harm. And just knowing that there is this, like, active organization that pushes people in that direction um for no good reason to be manipulated by the groups that you know oppress us it was just it's just so sad
0: yeah yeah no for sure um yeah and I and I I, you know I felt like the movie for me reinforces kind of ideas that I've been getting about just sort of like I don't know the arc of life and just you know changes in your belief systems as you age Um, you know, because I think all these folks, when they were younger, believed just as fiercely as, you know, Jeffrey did, although they are now willing to say the thing that I think Jeffrey probably wouldn't say, which is to acknowledge that, like, the desire is still there.
1: Um, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm.
0: like that, that was a big, that was a big point. Um, you know, they were saying that, like, for, for like, John Polk, and for, um, uh, the, the woman, you know, they were just like, well, of course it never went away, but you can't say that. And and John in particular was like, I was really going out of my way to make it clear, to tie it to behavior, to
1: mm-hmm. say that
0: you, you can leave the behavior. And he's like, because of course, the desire never, ever, ever went away. And, you know, he's like, if you say that it's not really as big of a selling point, you know, it doesn't sound as as big and and revolutionary if you're like, oh, no, of course you still want to fuck guys the whole time, Um, you know, but, you know, you can choose not to, Um, you know, which is exactly the truth. Um, He was at the top of
1: my, he can go fuck himself list.
0: I mean, his, his look evolution was, was something to behold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's living I mean, happily now with some uh, with tall, what
0: appears to be a rent boy, uh,
1: living, <laughs> male partner after boy. spewing such bad faith arguments and, and, and toxic mindset uh, on television. And, you know, it's just so fucking and, infuriating and
0: to see at the end that his ex lesbian ex wife is still in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll, yeah, yeah,
0: that was a shock. That was a shock.
1: I don't know. Uh, I still see it as a
0: grift. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it kind of is a grift in the sense that it is trying to steer people towards something that is not true. Mhm. Um mm-hmm. and it, it is it is exploiting uh people's weaknesses. Um these are, you know, people who are have this internalized homophobia that comes from living in a heteronormative society. Um, and especially those who are being raised in more conservative parts of it that are less welcoming and less affirming. And, you know, and so you, you learn that self-loathing, um, and then these groups come in and they feed you a false, a false message, which is that you can actually totally change. You don't have to be this way. Um, and that's not true. Uh, but they, they peddle that message and, you know, and ultimately, you know, and this movie never gets into the finances of it. So I mean I I, I don't think that it is ultimately that any financial motive I think is vastly vastly secondary to religious and political motives. Um. So you know I think it is genuinely those things. Um. You know I think that you know for people who believe the way that I used to believe, you really do think it's the same thing as being like a missionary. You know you are you believe that you have life saving information that someone else needs. So I really do think that's what's driving them, and then they just play into the political culture wars. Um and where they become pawns um to advance the power of the GOP. Um I mean, to yeah, go ahead.
1: I mean they exist in contrast to um, segments of 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 like the Christian world that are the most grifty, right? So like the further away you get from acceptance, the more grifty it gets. And so they're like a sub-reaction. And I think that like the grift doesn't even have to be something like you know, that they all have personal planes or something ridiculous, but it it has to fund itself. It has to fund them. It becomes a way of life, um, a a living. You are, you know, speaking on these stages. Like there is a, you've built a community in which you're a celebrity. Um, And yeah, it might not be the most profitable in like an Ernest Ainsley type way, but
0: well, yeah. Well, that's the thing, because they're churches. So that's the thing. Most of these things are churches, so they don't have to pay taxes in the first place. Right. So th- so they're already well positioned as, you know, as churches to not to pay taxes. And then some of the Family Research Council, obviously, is backed by many, many donors and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 just painful. Um, and of course, then we have, you know, speaking of grifting we have the eyes of tammy faye movie coming out next month so mm. <laughs> have you watched the trailer for that yet
1: no i haven't
0: <gasps> add it to your list after you find the john cena outtakes from train <laughs> you have to watch the trailer for as of tammy faye it plays before almost every movie i've gone to see and i like i never don't have like a ah! like reaction um it, okay. it looks so fucking good um jessica chastain playing tammy faye uh okay. yeah she's been trying to apparently get this movie made for like 10 years um, so it's very personal to her and, uh, and it looks like she goes all in Andrew Garfield plays Jim Baker. So,
1: Oh my God. Okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is going to, I think Cherry Jones plays Tammy Faye's mother. It's yeah, it's a cast. Okay. Um, cued up. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but with that said, circling back to pray away, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know that I thought it was speaking, pulling it back and just thinking of it as a documentary. I didn't think that it was like mind blowing. Mm -mm. Um, it was a very kind of, it almost felt like an anecdotal, uh, documentary in a way. Um, you know, it was just sort of like part of the focus was on the history, but more about the end of Exodus. Um, and then it was the story of Jeffrey. And then it was a story of sort of a counterpoint to Jeffrey, the woman, Julia Rogers or Julia Rogers, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, who'd been sort of a young, like rising star in the Exodus world who, um, you know, who then, uh, you know, left Exodus in the like, you know, like 10 years ago and now is, you know, um you know, sort of like living happily uh, married to a Megan Rapinoe lookalike um, and <laughs> writing a memoir about her experience. Um, but, uh, I mean, she, she did look like Megan Rapinoe, did she not?
1: Oh, absolutely. We, I, <laughs> I had paused to be like, who is she? First of all, I was like, is she, is she somebody I know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, no, and it's like, oh, that's somebody famous. And I was like, yeah. It's
0: Megan. You know, like, did we used to hang out Al Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so it just kind of felt like, you know, the movie just kind of had the stories of the people that the filmmaker got access to, and it didn't necessarily coalesce those stories into a very cohesive whole. Um, so I think for me, this is like a consume plus.
1: Yeah, I think it's like a consume for me. I also feel like they didn't quite hold them to hold them accountable enough. I think some of them I held know. themselves more accountable and to those I gave forgiveness. <laughs> um, and some of right, them the did not. But yeah, mostly him. And the guy who you know founded the new group to help right. people who had been part of and moved forward with towards the uh, like the Lisa Ling piece um, and. And for those who didn't, they weren't really faced with it either. So I, I didn't think that um, just giving them more airtime to sort of justify what they did was was the right way to go. So I would say like a consume minus. I think if you thought that these groups were a good thing, you should watch it. And if you know that they're not, it's probably unnecessary. Yeah. It is streaming on Netflix and it's rated PG-13. No? Yes. <laughs> Our next movie is Homeroom. Oakland High School's Class of 2020 confronts an unprecedented year. Anxiety over test scores and college applications gives way to uncertainty springing from a rapidly developing pandemic. Efforts to eliminate the school's district police force unfold against the backdrop of growing nationwide demands for systemic change.
0: Speaking of close to home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was like watching the Titanic in a way.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's very true because, you know, we're looking at the yeah the class of 2020. Um, and so we, we, you know, we watch it unfold starting in fall uh, 2019. Of course, a very, very, very different world than the one we live in now. And then just knowing what's around the corner, it's tough. Um, but, you know, certainly as, Listeners may remember this this podcast began as a Bay Area focused uh, Mm -hmm. podcast Uh, and, you know, a place that Rebecca and I live for for many, many years. Uh, And uh, Rebecca, you actually did live in Oakland uh, for quite a chunk of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so and, you know, (laughs) this movie, I was like, am I? Am I am I getting nostalgic for the early days of COVID in the Bay Area? I mean, oh my God! I was like, I think I am. I think that's the feeling I'm feeling while I'm watching this movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, certainly um, as to recent um, uh, departures from the Bay Area, I know for me, just like hearing just like the reassuring sounds of a Bart train pulling up to a station, and <laughs> uh, you know, seeing up into the Berkeley Hills and you know all that stuff, I was just like, oh, you know. Uh, and, you know, and, there, and there's, of course, no more immediately welcoming embrace of Bay Area life than a bunch of people saying hella. <laughs> um, and so uh, certainly this movie is uh, is nothing if not an hour and a half of uh, of black, brown and Asian teenagers in Oakland saying hella. So that definitely. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a hug. It felt like a hug. <laughs> uh, this is the third film in a series by this director, mm-hmm. Peter Nix about um, various institutions in Oakland. Um, his first film was about uh, uh, an emergency room, looking to serve 24 hours at an emergency room in a hospital in Oakland. Then the second film in his trilogy focused actually on the Oakland Police Department itself. And now we have this third part focusing on uh, on the Oakland Unified School District and specifically uh, the graduating class of 2020, which uh, very much folds into it the story of a. Uh, of the Oakland police department. So this is definitely one of those movies where you feel like, Oh wow. Like, you know, how, how do I feel watching a documentary that feels like it's unfolding more or less still in like the present day.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah. Visceral, visceral, powerful stuff. Would you, what did you think of this one?
1: Um, I think not to the fault of the director. I think it's, it was unavoidable, but I, but I do feel like, the pandemic kind of overshadowed what was maybe the original point of the um, the documentary, which was watching these students and their, and their student council and these representatives that were invited to um, to speak and be active in, in the school board and their fight to get the, uh, the sort of Oakland Unified School District's own police force that's like a subsidiary of the Oakland Police Department Out of the schools. Um, I I think, again, like not to the fault of the director, but the whole time I just keep thinking, like, COVID is coming, COVID is coming. And then you start Mm. to see them come into the new year and then you hear them kind of share information, some misinformation, you Mm. know, different facts. And then eventually they all get sent home. And then the rest of it, you know, you sort of see a lot through Zoom classes and then. Um, and then some of the protests that happened after the, um, you know, George Floyd's death in, in May. And I think that like what happened, if you were to kind of strip the COVID from it was, is really a remarkable story. And they have some amazing footage about, you know, watching them be defeated and, and, and being able to come back and make the case and, you know, watching some of the school board members eat crow in front of everybody. Um, And so, yeah, there's not another way to do it that, you know, all of those ingredients were part of the 2020 year. But um, but I I do feel like that got overshadowed a little bit by my own, you know, covid upset, not obsessed, but like point of view. Right. Like overwhelming. um, I haven't seen anything like this where you're like rewatching people react in March of 2020.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, it was I mean, it's I guess, yeah, it's what's called in literature dramatic irony, right? When you know something that the characters mm-hmm. don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and in this case, yeah, it was very kind of poignant to see that moment when, you know, we're in the classroom with them. And then the principal comes over the PA system and says that the school, the whole district is being shut down effective 6 p.m. for three weeks and then we see all the kids celebrating you know, naturally <laughs> as in, certainly as any of us would, um, you know, being told like school's canceled for three weeks. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> um, that's incredible. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, hearing the principal be like, you know, hope to see you back real soon. And then, you know, that, 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 you know, hurts uh, because of course, mm-hmm. knowing what we know now um, or, you know, seeing the, the marquee at the Grand Lake, being like, you know, closed until March 31st. It's like, yeah, March 21st, you know, or March 31st, 2022. But um, yeah, Uh, it's, yeah, I I see what you mean, certainly that the focus of the film, you know, Peter Nix's focus is not meant to be COVID. It's meant to be the storyline of these students um, who are organizing um, in a very focused effort to have the police removed from their school. And, you know, and then the COVID of it all, um, you know, undermines that. But I think that, you know, in reality, this is just how last year played out, because mm-hmm. I mean, COVID did ultimately play a role in the national climate in which, you know, George Floyd's murder happened. And, you know, and I, so I feel like it was just kind of, I don't know, it's just how it played out. And, you know, and as they and as the the leader of the student assembly says, in no <laughs> uncertain terms. Um, you know, like it, it should not have taken that for them to 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 finally all agree. And we see that juxtaposition of when we, when we first see it brought to a vote uh, for the school board whether or not to depolice the school., um, you know, and they you know, lose the vote the first time, which is in the pre covid part of the film. And then when the vote comes again during the reckoning post George Floyd, um, you know, they get like unanimous uh, voting like, yes, let's depolice. And, uh, you know, and this kid uh, just wants to make sure they all know that they are still disappointments because <sighs> it should it should not have taken uh, everything that had happened um in the recent uh, weeks and months for them to finally see why that was the right thing to do
1: that kid, the way he calls them out by name, um, just a hero, mm. absolute hero to have the have the guts at seventeen to. To call out members of the school board for their votes.
0: So the chutzpah. amazing. up? my goodness. Yeah, it you know it was yeah remarkable, remarkable. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was just you know just getting to meet these. I mean, the, the movie is definitely ultimately kind of just like a you know a snapshot, um of of that moment in time for this very specific kind of student body. Um, but I mean, I I felt like it was really. I don't know, I thought it was still very eye-opening. I feel like it captured the dynamic of a school in a way that I haven't seen a lot before, certainly for seeing, you know, a school, uh, you know, in an area like Oakland. uh, I feel like, you know, you don't really get a lot of actual documentaries that show the reality um, Mm. of, you know, of that life, of that culture. Uh, You know, it usually shows up in, you know, overwrought movies about, you know, white teachers coming in to save the day. Uh, so, and there were certainly, there were no teachers saving the day in this. It was all the students.
1: No. And some of the students just, you know, hearing it from them, hearing, you know, one of the students speak at this day where some, some of them get to go, get to go to the police department, um, and have this like day shadowing officers, Mm. um, hearing her speak about why, like personally it is uncomfortable to have police officers in the school, Hearing some other students talk about their approaches to their college essays that um, reference their lives and the effect of gentrification, um, it's it's heartbreaking, and I I love the way that this movie tackles those subjects um, along with the like these students trying to understand the different groups in the community and their motivations for um like blocking each other's vote or interrupting the proceedings mm. and and also there's this element of this very not disruptive capturing of their life as students so there's a lot of like TikTok there's a lot <laughs> of them on the phone and i think that you can kind of start watching it and and think Oh, these kids aren't paying attention. They're on TikTok all day. But what they're doing is getting the police out of their school system. They're doing really important things, and <laughs> um, so I kind of like that balance of um, showing what they're doing and 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 also showing that that is not wrong. That's not that's just teenagers being teenagers, but that doesn't mean they're not also, um, you know, studious and 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 making change in the world.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I I. know the the girl you're talking about in terms of when they have like the presentation by the OPD um, being like, ask us anything you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, and at first I was thinking because she says what she says and it's so incredibly succinct and impactful and just says it all. And then they cut away before we can just see the cops respond. And I was like, oh, well, I wonder what they said. Mm. But I was like, well, you don't need to see what they said because like, no. we know we know what they said. Um, right. You know, like they would just reinforce like whatever, bad apples, we're here to, you know, and just basically gaslight, you know, essentially Mm -hmm. what you you had there were the cops gaslighting these black and brown students uh, about their own very real lived experiences.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it made me, uh, it made, that kind of made me miss Oakland, I think like Mm. hearing the students and seeing their excitement and, um, and their conviction and their awareness of I don't know, of, of how we treat each other. And, you know, some of them were starting with their pronouns and, um, you know, Brown students were making the points for black students and Mm. it was very black and Brown, not just, you know, kind of one one group or the other. And the, you know, the real diversity in the schools, I feel like Oakland is beautiful in that way. And and that made me miss it. Um, Yeah.
0: yeah, no, I, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. Uh, yeah, maybe miss the Bay Area, maybe miss the East Bay. Uh, but, you know, knowing those kids are there holding it down, you know, it's good to know. It's in, it's in, it's in good
1: hands. <laughs> knowing I didn't buy a house there and <laughs> continue to fuck with the property values.
0: Exactly, exactly. You did your part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. This one gets a binge it for me.
0: Yeah, me too. Binge it.
1: Um, Homeroom is streaming on Hulu and it is unrated. And that brings us to our last movie this week, oh, with plenty of time for me to get to White Lotus <laughs> Val. For over 40 years, Val Kilmer, one of Hollywood's most mercurial and misunderstood actors, has been documenting his own life and craft through film and video. He has amassed thousands of hours of footage, from 16 millimeter home movies made with his brothers to time spent in iconic roles for blockbuster movies like Top Gun. This raw, original, and unflinching documentary reveals a life lived. Two extremes and a heart-filled, sometimes hilarious look at what it means to be an artist and a complex man. Do you have thoughts about did you have thoughts about Val Kilmer going into this?
0: You know, it was such a fascinating opportunity to consider Val Kilmer, <laughs> which is something <laughs> that I had not done in a long time, admittedly. Um, so yeah, just to be like, yeah, what's Val Kilmer's deal? Uh, <laughs> because. <laughs> Because there was certainly, I mean, like growing up in the you know, coming of age culturally in the nineties, as you and I did, like he was a, a really big star that whole decade. Um Huge. and Tombstone, you know, The
1: it, Doors, Top Gun, Batman Forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in all things, you know, looking looking at his sort of career as this movie frames it, he had a good solid 20 years uh of being a Madine idol. Um, and, uh, you know, and so it's really interesting just to consider like, yeah, where did that weirdo come from? <laughs> um, I saw, I think I saw some, um, letterboxed one-liner review where they were just like, sometimes, uh, God takes the spirit of a stone cold weirdo and puts it in the body of a himbo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and what happens is glorious. And I was like, Yes. Yes, very that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, growing up, my awareness of Al Kilmer was very much tied to, um, but, you know, it's funny because I feel like I probably knew him for a while before I even saw any of his movies. Because fun fact, I've actually never seen Top Gun. Mm. Um. So that's something that I never even saw. I think probably The Doors I probably watched too young. Um, <laughs> so that was... I think my first exposure to him, um, and then fun fact, the first movie I ever reviewed for my local student newspaper was, uh, Batman Forever. Oh, wow. So, uh, so, uh, but no, I never saw Willow, still never seen Willow. Oh yeah, me neither. Um, never have seen Tombstone, um, oh. I know. Uh, and I have it. I've never watched it. Oh yeah, the true romance. I was I was upset that he they, they did not talk about him being in true romance. <laughs> that was what I thought was missing. <laughs> was any acknowledgement of that? Um, but yeah, you know, I feel like the the punchline of this movie is, you know, for all of his artistic angst about never being understood or, you know, given the role to really show up as talent, is that like he was never like that great in a lot of stuff he was in, mm. you know, I mean, like I, you know, he, he had that, that star power charisma, but I, I was, I couldn't help but think of the bubble episode of 30 rock. Um, <laughs> you know, once again, the barometer by which all, mm. you know, beautiful people who've never been challenged because they're beautiful. Um, you know, and certainly not that Dal Kilmer hasn't been challenged recently since that's very much the, the, the foreground of the film, but we, you know, rising up um, and getting the opportunities that he did. Um but you know yeah he was always just kind of like yeah he had this weird presence in films where he was incredibly incredibly gorgeous um but you know but also just yeah this really bizarre kind of vibe to him um you know so uh you know Jim Morrison in in in, in retrospect was the perfect role uh mm-hmm. <laughs> another beautiful weirdo but uh but yeah what about you
1: uh i also had not really considered him and a lot of the <laughs> movies that are the the sort of these big ones that we talk about, I also missed. I think I I must have seen Batman forever. I must have, but I feel like there's a possibility I haven't. Um, I did see Tombstone. I feel like maybe I also didn't see Top Gun. It's Uh, hard with those movies that are so in culture. I know. You're like, did I see it? I feel like I know everything about it.
0: Exactly. It's like, did I see it or can I just quote the whole thing for no reason?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did Family Guy do an episode about it? Because if so, I've definitely not seen it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, there's also Heat, which I actually fully forgot he was even in.
1: Mm, uh, mm-hmm. And
0: he's li- he's literally on the poster, like it's a picture yeah. of the poster of De Niro Pacino Kilmer. Um, so that certainly speaks to where he was positioned in the mid 90s in Hollywood. But uh, but yeah. So what a fascinating um, opportunity to just consider like the artistic life of this actor who you haven't thought of in a while. You know, at first it just feels like an opportunity for for nostalgia Um, But, you know, it really invites you to to consider so many different parts of him, you know, Mm. from from his upbringing in the valley, um, tragic family situation early on, losing his brother at a young age, Um, you know, going to New York, going to Juilliard, having this auspicious beginning um, only to kind of have this this kind of rude awakening that he was not going to be taken seriously as a dramatic actor. And um, not as long as they kept being able to cast uh, Kevin Bacon and Sean Penn in plays ahead of him.
1: <laughs>
0: and, uh, you know, and then this kind of initial punchline of him going to Juilliard only to be flown out to L.A. to shoot two spoof movies back to back being a uh, oh, top, top secret, secret. And real genius. Yeah.
1: I've not seen that, but I laughed so hard at the scenes that they showed in it. <laughs> I need to watch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's, i think it's, i think it's a zucker abraham zucker movie uh when they
1: crush that guitar cry uh, yeah! laughing
0: like, i know i know even even with his like sad fucked up anecdote that he like learned to play the guitar just for that role only to find yeah. out that they wanted to play it <laughs> um no it, it honestly it makes me think of like Anna Faris has a story about how when she was getting started, she thought that she was a very dramatic actress. (laughs) And when she did this reading for the weigh-ins for Scary Movie, uh, she, like, didn't fully understand at first, and she thought she was doing a very, very serious line reading. And then when she finished, they were like, that's hilarious. You got the part. (laughs) (laughs) And and she's like, what? Uh, You know, so... Amazing. uh, So, yeah, so I feel like that's that's, that's a kilmer. She she kilmered Mm -hmm -hmm. on that one.
1: I, I think this movie, like made me question some of my biases. I, I, I feel like when you see a lot of handsome actors and they talk about how much they love the art of craft of acting, I'm like, you're full of shit. You're handsome yeah. and you want to be famous and rich. Um, and, and this maybe you can reconsider that bias mm-hmm. and because I feel like the actors that, that make you think that they are not that, that insist upon it, Jared Leto, uh, (laughs) don't do, don't do the cause any service. So, um, I, you know, I think that, that this secret artistic, like kind, curious, opinionated, um, person was filming his life was, was a real treat. And I, and I think that maybe this is, you know, the, the piece he was meant to give the world. And I found it, incredibly emotional i think you know who who we see of him as a person and his relationship with his family and also just what happens when you document a life and a family beginning and growing up is is a really you know emotional it's an emotional piece like you know watching a family just get started and um then seeing them later as adults i don't know it's it's very Mm -hmm. yeah
0: no, it, it was it very was really, touching it was very emotionally impactful just seeing like yeah, yeah it's funny it sneaks up on you um because of course you know we don't know this person and you know in the film is you know it's just like you know an hour 40 or something but like I certainly I became very emotionally invested um mm-hmm. in everything I feel like what you feel is like the sense of loss and mortality Mm Um, you know, because like we, you know, we, we meet, we'll meet his family, we meet his brothers. And then, you know, we, we find out that this one, you know, one of his like super funny, adorable, creative brother dies And, you know, and then eventually, you know, his, his mother passes away and, and I, you know, that, and that, that, that hit me really hard. And, you know, we see him fall in love to Joanne Wally, get married, and then the marriage falls apart and they get divorced. And, but we, they're still, you know, co-parenting these two children. And, you know, so like, it feels like it really, it gets the stuff of life is, is somehow fully transmuted in this movie, Mm. you know, like, yeah, it's, it's remarkable in that way.
1: And I think it's, a, you know, part of it is a testament of, of who he is, like, you know, the questions he asks and the conversations he has with his kids, for example, um, when he, he kind of films them talking about their fears, um, it it feels like, you know, you're watching a documentary of a life that he may not know he was creating at the time, like narrated with someone that has a real understanding of humanity.
0: Mm mm-hmm. Mm mm-hmm.
1: Um, you yeah, know, this yeah. didn't happen by accident. If you put, put together all the videos I've taken on my phone this past year, you would be a lot of teacup, <laughs> 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 teacup, which just doesn't tell a good story unless right. you set it to music.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then suddenly <laughs> everyone's crying at the eulogy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> For me? <laughs> yes.
1: Don't even, I'm going to yes. tell that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't like the implications and I'm cutting it. Well, I, mean, I thought
0: that's what we were talking about, like with the movie. It's sort of like he's like making this snapshot, like his whole life, you know, sort right. of like pulling it all together. Because like he, this is in a way him saying a goodbye of sorts to like the 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 Val Kilmer that we all knew. This life lived in public before he you know lost the ability to you know to speak with his with his former voice.
1: He's still so funny. It, it's a shame he doesn't have his former voice because he's he's still so funny and he's still very young. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think this, this movie is a good reminder that like everybody has a story.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's true. I think it definitely, I mean, it's a movie that, that illustrates compassion, you know, which mm-hmm. is you know, one of the best things that any piece of art can do. And, and, you know, and, and it also gives us, yeah, I mean, there are parts of it that really, as you're, as we're considering him and his per in his current state, um, you know, sort of left without a, a viable path forward for his acting career, and, you know, in and, and sort of resorting to doing fan conventions um, and uh, and having people, you know, one after the other, after the other, after the other, give him the exact same line that they think are they're very funny to have thought of that mm-hmm. they want him to write on their eight by 10. I mean, the scene where he just takes a break to just throw up was yeah. rough. Um, It made me think of the Carrie Fisher documentary where, you know, they show her going to these fan cons and and she calls it the celebrity lap dance. Mm. Um, But uh, but, you know, in the tomb. But then, you know, there's that amazing sequence at the tombstone convention. Right. Right. right, Where we see him turn around from feeling, uh, you know, just just depressed um, and triggered by all of this and being having his former career thrown in his face to being touched by the love and the adoration and just the excitement energy of these fans watching this movie. And, and, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know just so many unexpectedly sneakily powerful moments in this.
1: And it seems like such a, such a charming relationship he has with this, with his kids.
0: Yeah.
1: And it looks very, very fun and, um, very, um, I don't know, precious in the fact that they, um, seem to support each other's arts and creativity yeah it was it was delightful i i slow cried through i think every movie (laughs) (laughs) at at least one point in every movie this week and that might be me deteriorating but (laughs) who can say yeah
0: and his this one's
1: definitely though i i slow cried through almost the whole thing
0: yeah yeah, and then in his son Jack uh is doing the voiceover in his voice, and boy does he know his dad's voice. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. uncanny, uncanny. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, maybe that's
1: uh, a path forward. Maybe they they can figure out some yeah. sort of dubbing thing for him.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I mean, I, yeah, I, I I want more. I want more. Al Kilmer, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this movie made me realize I've been taking for granted all this time, and what a special what a special presence he is. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is definitely a binge it for me.
1: Oh, binge it for me as well. Uh, it's streaming on Prime Video, and it is rated R. That's it. We originally had eight movies that we wanted to review. Um, and so I only <laughs> picked four, but there are four more that I really want to watch.
0: <laughs> well, to be clear, I was not suggesting we review all eight in one episode. Right, I of was, course. No, we just eight. Presenting, and we managed to go almost two hours just with four. So. <laughs> 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 Look at I us know. go. Uh <laughs> But uh, I know, I know. So hopefully we can, you know, have another episode soon. Um, But in the meantime, these are the four we're talking about.
1: That's it. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Jason is on Twitter at...
0: Excess baggage. White
1: Balance. Thank you so much. Bye, guys.
0: Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There
1: There goes the binge.